Welcome to Healing with Worth, a podcast dedicated to healthy recovery and instilling hope in the wake of betrayal trauma. We are women who have experienced this intimately and want to offer hope to other women. While we may interview professionals on the show, the content should not be taken as therapeutic advice and is not meant to replace therapeutic healing. If you would like to join one of our free online worth groups to help with your betrayal trauma, you may find us at healingwithworth.org. Welcome to Healing with Worth. We're your hosts, Naomi and Janine, and we're so glad that you joined us today. One of the great desires of Naomi's and I's heart is that you'll find this podcast to be beneficial for you in some way, whether or not it lifts you, whether it validates your feelings and what you're experiencing, or whether it just brings hope to your life. That is just really what what we desire as we do these podcasts each week. Today we're together. We're not interviewing anybody. We're just going to talk about another analogy. We've been doing analogies. We've kind of got on this analogy binge, and we're going to talk about a particular analogy. It's not ours. We want to credit the source of our analogy to Natalie Hoffman. This analogy captures the question that is often asked in our worth groups as to, should I stay or should I go? I think there comes a point in time in our journey where we have to ask that serious question. And we know this is typically not done in haste. It's given a lot of time and thought. We know it's a very serious matter to consider. But today, I feel like we're doing this podcast mainly for me. (laughs) And if you all want to join in, that is great. Feel free to listen in. If, If this is not resonating with you, we'll be back next week with another episode. I've been in this situation and Naomi too. We've we've been doing this a number of years and it gets to be really tiring. And I'm still waiting for a lot of behaviors of my husband to shift and to change before I'm ready to jump back into a relationship. So this question is constantly on my mind. In fact, Naomi, I was on a coaching call earlier today with Amy. She's one of the coaches at Life Changing Services. She does a free monthly coaching call with women who are contemplating this question, should I stay or should I go? I was kind of in the throes of that this morning. And I know, Naomi, it's it's probably been on your mind um, <laughs> as well. We're just going to kind of start in to this analogy Natalie Hoffman, she has a podcast and a website, and that's where I first found her on a podcast, and her podcast is called Flying Free, and she really focuses on the hidden emotional and spiritual abuse that happens within relationships, and so I really enjoyed listening to to her and her insight in that realm because I think it can be such a confusing thing to recognize. And it's kind of how she goes into this analogy, kind of talking about a game of tennis. She says, let's pretend for a minute that your relationship is like a game of tennis. You and your partner on the tennis court, the game just started, 
the ball is going back and forth, back and forth, right? He's on one side, you're on the other side. And once in a while, the ball drops. In this scenario, the ball dropping represents relationship conflict. And so sometimes the ball drops on your side and sometimes it drops on his side. When it drops on your side, you take initiative to resolve the conflict. You pick up the ball and you try again. But when the ball falls on his side, you ask him to pick it up. But he responds with something like, well, it fell because of how you hit the ball. It's not my problem. It's not my responsibility. And so, <laughs> I just want to stop right here. <laughs> <laughs> not taking responsibility is a really crucial element to be able to discern in an abusive relationship. There's other things, but this is something that's so critical, I think, for women to understand. Mm-hmm is that when a husband does not take responsibility for behavior and instead puts the responsibility on her in some way, and that can be in many different forms, that means she's being emotionally abused. Right. Right. Because you can't, you can't ever resolve anything when the other person isn't willing to take responsibility and shifts that responsibility to you. We've talked about this before. We've talked about it with Jeff. Right. Because it's gaslighting, it's manipulation, it's that switching, that Darvo, right? Switching responsibility and then becoming the victim himself to you asking him to take responsibility, you know? Right. It's And it's unrecognizable to many, many people. It certainly was for me. Right. So I I really wanted to point that out before we continue down this analogy, because I think this is a key element to understand in the game that you're playing. Right, right. If that's the way we're looking at our relationship is like a tennis match. Right. Maybe a little example, too, of kind of what this might sound like might be helpful as well. Something happens and then you tell your husband, I really felt hurt when you said X, Y, or Z. And then his response comes back. What? I didn't say that. Why are you being so sensitive? Like, I would have never said something like that. Why do you take things so personally? Things like that. That is that emotional abuse that, yeah. that we're talking about. And and then not, not accepting the responsibility. Like in a healthy relationship, a man would say, oh, man, I'm really sorry. I don't want to hurt you, you know. And I didn't realize I was hurting you. Right. And how, what can I do to make it better or do something that shows that he's not going to do that again or whatever, right? Difference between taking responsibility and not taking responsibility. Right. <laughs> In my relationship, the word unreasonable was the word that he used. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a very triggering word for me. It's a red flag. And and I do want to point out that some of this can just happen in his head too. Right. Like it's why therapy, I think, is really important and why we approach this abuse component in therapy is because this is an incorrect thinking pattern that happens. A man can be completely silent in his words, but he's thinking those things in his head. If he's thinking those things in his head, the behavior won't change. That's what I wanted to say. Gotcha. I mean, he may not verbally say you're unreasonable, but in his head, if he's saying that's completely unreasonable, you're going to know whether or not, actions. 
Right. Exactly. You're going to know whether or not that thinking is present in his brain. Because he's going to, he's going to make changes one way or the other. Right. Yeah. 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 That's something I didn't know. This is new information that I've gotten. Right. Well, and then the confusing part too, in this whole thing, when you talk about this kind of abuse and as women, it's hard to detect this this kind of abuse in your relationship and so because you don't want to think badly of your husband right right and you want to you want to the benefit of the doubt exactly (laughs) exactly and so you end up going and picking up the ball for him you go back (laughs) and you start the game again you're like all right let's do this because you want your marriage to work right your relationship's important right you make covenants with this man Right. You don't want to just throw that away. Oh, one conflict. I'm just going to turn the other cheek and and I can resolve this on my own and I can make it all better. Right. So so you do. You pick it up. (laughs) And what I want to also say is that this is chronic type patterns. It's not just a one time deal. Right. These patterns are continual in the relationship. You get into this pattern of him not taking responsibility, and eventually you're going to sense it in some way or another. I think there's, I think there's another aspect to this in that when, when this continues to happen and you continue to pick up the ball and then you're starting to sense, this doesn't feel right to me. The, I feel completely ignored, neglected. Abused. Well, the relationship's being neglected. You're only having a relationship with one person. <laughs> this other person yeah. isn't really existent in the relationship. Right. It's very one-sided. And so you get to a point where you're like, I don't think I can keep doing this, right? If you imagine yourself going over to his side of the court every time, picking up the ball, going back, it's exhausting, mm-hmm. right? You get exhausted. You're like, I don't have the energy to continue this way. And then, and then there comes more abuse. Well, if you really care about the relationship, you'll fight. You'll try and fix this and we can figure it out. You can figure it out. If you really, if you really feel like it's that important. Right. But then you're like, hold on a second. (laughs) Wait, I'll figure it out. (laughs) And honestly, I, I think many women can spend years in this place. Like I, I'm still trying to figure it out oh, and yeah. get really super clear about it. Well, she goes on to say, he scowls at you and tells you it's your fault and your problem. And if you cared about the game, you'd figure it out. Just like you were saying, Naomi. <laughs> and you argue with him because what he said sounds just a little bit insane and you wait longer but he refuses to pick up the ball. So you sadly walk over to his side and pick it up again. You made a commitment for better or for worse, right? (laughs) Now this insane feeling can be, many women describe it as the crazy conversations that happen in emotionally abusive relationships. These are conversations that just don't get anywhere. They never solve the problem. They're gaslighting conversations or drama triangle conversations, which we've talked about before. You can go back into the beginning of our, (laughs) of this podcast. Maybe we'll talk about them again another time, but definitely crazy making. For sure. And what I've 
come to realize the abuser plays all three roles in the drama triangle. Mm-hmm. So that's why these conversations can get crazy. Mm-hmm. It's because they're playing all three roles. Right. So you might get to the point where you tell him, well, if you don't pick up the ball, I won't be able to continue in the game. This is a request. But then you start setting boundaries for yourself about this this game. And then that can get really crazy as well because this is a different way of playing the game. And he's not liking how the game's being played anymore because <laughs> he's not getting everything out of it that he was before. Exactly. He's not, again, not taking responsibility for his he's part. Not being, and he's game. also not being taken care of. Right. I think a lot of times it's that that relationship can sometimes morph into a parent-child relationship. Yes. In that he's not going to take any responsibility because you're the parent. You're the one who's supposed to fix everything. And he just gets to do whatever he wants because he's the kid. Right. And unknowingly, I think sometimes we enable that behavior and we we begin to treat them. I mean, I think of so many times when, you know, you hear people joke about how many kids do you have? And they'll say they have maybe four kids and a husband, right? And they'll say five kids, if you count my husband, just in that like joking term. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's one of those things that you're like, ah, ouch. That's, yeah. That is sad. And so I think in some ways, that can be enabled without realizing it because we're trying, like she's talking about doing everything you can to make this relationship work actually ends up enabling him to continue behaving in the way that he has because he's, he's not being held responsible. I guess when we don't have boundaries, that's I think what happens is we allow him not to take responsibility for his actions. I'm so glad you brought that up. You're telling my story. (laughs) That that was one of the things that last year I said, this, this dynamic's got to change. Like, this is not acceptable. I do not want to have a parent-child relationship. And that's what we've had for so many years. And it's a, it's a hard thing to change, especially if it's been a lot of years. And especially if, their mind frame is that, no, this is the way a relationship is supposed to be, right? They see that as healthy when in actuality, when you look at all of the, all of the indicators of a healthy relationship, none of those things are on there. And he could be completely responsible in other areas of his life, work. He could be a good provider financially, and still there can be a parent-child relationship because he's not it's it's the relationship that he's not taking responsibility in. Right. It's funny because that's part of what she talks about. She's like, your, your partner is always happy, smiling, waving at everyone who passes by. Such a friendly, sweet man. If someone outside the court needs help, he interrupts your game to help them out. He's an incredible human being with a magnanimous heart. Johnny <laughs> on the spot for everyone. Then he returns to you and requests that you get the balls going because he is, oh, so very tired. 
you know, this is like, where we oh. can, I can get really snarky. <laughs> let me tell you what. <laughs> oh, and I become angry about it. And then yeah. I look like the crazy one. Right. Right. right? Because everybody sees this guy who is so friendly and chatty and just happy-go-lucky guy and he helps out everyone who needs help except for you except for your relationship except for your family sometimes the family and the wife can be neglected in that pursuit to appear like everything is great and i'm not saying that serving and helping isn't great but when it lacks in the relationship. Right. It needs to happen first in the home and then expand outside the home. And I think that's where a lot of times we see this and we're like, oh, he is good. They just don't have all the tools that they need to be able to be in a healthy relationship with a person. And so that's where this, this aspect comes in that they can help everyone else they can't help you. And then they get back and they're like, all these balls are still on the ground. What's your problem? Why haven't you right. picked them up? Like, look at this house. It's such a mess. Why can't you clean it? Why aren't you doing what you're like? If you could just do this and this, you could get it done. It's not my job to clean the house. Oh, yeah. There are lots of lots of conversations <laughs> that can happen. <laughs> right, right. So they're so varied depending on the what I'll call tactics that they've used in the past to be able right. to create this nice little image of themselves. Well, and, and also just like the, the dynamic of power in the relationship, right. there's kind of a power over and, and that doesn't, that doesn't fall in line with what we understand to create eternal happy relationships, which is equal partners. Right. And, and that, that doesn't fit in well when somebody is unwilling to do their part in a relationship and to care for each other. It shouldn't be one-sided for one person fixing all of the problems. If your husband holds the priesthood, his first responsibility is to his wife, to serve his wife. That is his first priesthood responsibility. This kind of behavior can go on for a number of years. If you're anything like me, you're going to read books about how to solve these problems, how to make a marriage better. You're going to maybe brush a lot of things under the rug that maybe shouldn't because you're trying to cope with this imbalance in the relationship. And, you know, if you go to friends or even family members, they might tell you, well, you're part of that relationship and you need to get right back in there and be the godly wife to keep your relationship alive. And I love kind of the snarkiness that she uses. I have to read this part. The responsibility to keep the game going falls completely on your shoulders, and that's a heavy weight to bear. All the books you read, your church, and your spiritual friends tell you that if your partner won't do it, The godly thing is to do it yourself. You can keep your relationship alive. Don't let bitterness creep in. Do it with a cheerful heart. Let him off the hook. He's a guy. And guys are just not like girls. 
Be okay with the differences. Get over there and pick up the balls. God will give you power you need to make that man happy. It's your duty as a female, and you will eventually be rewarded for your awesome game. Besides, your partner's always so happy, smiling and waving at everyone who passes by. Such a friendly, sweet man. So there are many women who do that. Mm-hmm. And how they don't get in a place of resentment about it, it's unfathomable to me. I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> like, Yeah. To, to not go into a relationship or not to be in a relationship and have some type of festering resentment about it. Yeah, it's hard to imagine for sure. And I don't know that anybody has any good answers as to why somebody would continue that way unless there was just so much fear about standing your ground and putting your foot down and just saying no. But I think now in the in our society that we live in today, I think there's a lot more empowerment for women than there has been previously. Yeah. And so I think that's helping to make a shift. Yeah. And I love how she continues kind of in this little snarky way. Because I, I, I guess because I relate so much to it, but I didn't know what was happening. I didn't right. know the patterns in our relationship. Now I'm out of the fog about that. Mm-hmm. And so I can change my behavior about this tennis game. And I'm still not getting much. And that the, the balls are not being thrown over. But now you're stomping around, complaining, frantically waving your hands, frowning, yelling, your eyes are bloodshot, and your hair is a tangled rat's nest. You look and sound <laughs> like hell while he looks happy and rested and helpful to anyone who passes by. And then the idea hits you. You stop picking up the balls. Why not? Everyone already thinks you're a lunatic. Why not see what would happen if you didn't cooperate? And that, I think, is where I'm at. (laughs) (laughs) The ball drops on his side. He looks at you like, well, why aren't you going to get your tushy over here and pick up the ball? You stare at him triumphantly, (laughs) crazily, almost drunk on this strange sense of power. And you say, no. He waits. Surely you are bluffing, but you are not. Time (laughs) passes. He looks around uncomfortably and waves at people. The ball remains at his feet. Someone passes by and yells at him. Hey, the ball's at your feet. He waves back. Yep, got it covered. (laughs) Oh, I find this so humorous. (laughs) so sadly humorous (laughs) yeah well I think it's it's that whole scenario like waving back yep got it under control everything's okay yeah it just represents the whole like wanting everybody else to think everything is okay wanting to continue Mm -hmm. the show putting on the show yes for me this moment was was at separation and moving my thing was I'm not going to go to church with you and I'm not going to sit in the pew and pretend like everything is okay yes I'm not going to do that anymore and that was my no and that was his very very uncomfortable 
looking around. It's allowing him to really sit in his own emotions and pain. Mm-hmm. And and not have the show that everything's going right. He's doing everything right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because I think that was, for me, that was the most inauthentic part of my life. Oh, yes. Was yeah. sitting at church and pretending like we were this happy family. I mean, that's was what I think people saw this happy little family with these cute kids even though there were some like questionable things still going on i think that was a real wake-up call and it also brought on a lot of craziness where i think when she what she talks about next he grabs a new ball he doesn't pick up the ball that dropped but he grabs a new ball and he tries to lob it over you you're not expecting that and the ball drops but the game's moving in so you get up and you grab the ball and you lob it back and it falls and you wait. <laughs> and he leaves that one on the ground still with the other one. And then he tries to start the game again. This is truly when you're setting boundaries. Right, right. So it's that like, okay, you're going to try and jump in this game, but you're still not picking up the balls it's that whole like we were talking about in the last episodes these macaroni necklaces right this is kind of what this seems like to me he picks up a new ball and lobs it back but it's a macaroni necklace because you receive it and then you send something back over the same ball back over and he leaves it there he's like oh that didn't work okay i'm gonna try a new ball you know (laughs) and and that's where Watching their feet is really where it comes down to getting things in order and really understanding what's real in the game and what's not real, Right, I think. Yeah. You can spend a lot of time in this space, too, where Mm -hmm. you're still not picking up balls. This is where I'm at. I'm still not picking up the balls. Mm -hmm. But you can still be in a state of as she describes it, pull your hair out frustration (laughs) until (laughs) the entire court is filled with balls because you've decided that if he doesn't want to pick up any balls, you're not going to pick them up either. And (laughs) And then you come across, you have to overcome these perceptions that other people might have of you as being rebellious or not, not compliant or not helpful. Right, right. The one causing the trouble. (laughs) Yeah. You're the one who won't sit down and have a conversation about all of this. Even though our conversations end up not going anywhere because of the gaslighting and the Darvo. (laughs) Right. That going back to not taking responsibility, full responsibility for his behavior. Right. Well, and and I think the thing, too, that, that sometimes is run into, or at least that I've run into is the words are there. I take full responsibility. I did this. That's my fault. But then there's still excuses in the same phrase. Yep. Yep. I did this. It's my fault, but you blah, 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 blah. So it can sound like responsibility is being taken except for it's not really. 
there's still justification. There's still a reason why it's not all his fault. It can be hard because, you know, there may be some stuff that maybe I'm not doing this perfectly, you know? Maybe I'm not setting boundaries perfectly, but I'm doing the best I can with the kind of behavior that I'm dealing with. And just crazy making behavior. Yeah. And I don't have any other way to do this right now. I think it can, it can be a confusing time for sure. It can be really difficult and you really want the marriage to work, but he's still just not, just not picking up the balls and doing what needs to be done with them. And he's fine with that because she uses this great word. I love it. (laughs) He's fine with the ball covered pavement. As long as everyone that passes by thinks he's amazeballs. <laughs> Which is why sometimes we are the only ones that can detect it. We are the only ones who know what's going on. Right. This is a good point, too. And she says, and they do. After all, look at his long-suffering patience in the face of utter negligence on the part of his wife. He smiles sadly, almost pathetically, and waves a friendly hand at all who pass by. And you're like, yeah, it's that victim taking the victim role. Like, you see what I'm dealing with? Right. You see the kind of woman that I'm dealing with? Right. She's not willing to do anything. I'm a victim to my wife's lack of forgiveness. Yes. I'm, I'm a victim to... Her demands, her unrealistic expectations. Yeah. Yeah. I'm never going to be good enough for her. Right. Right. Some people take that bait and they're like, oh man, you poor guy. Good Mm -hmm. job for being so patient Mm -hmm. and persevering so much. Yep. So true. And then you decide you're done. You don't want to be done, but you've invested, in my case, 28 years. Mm-hmm. of my life to picking up this guy's balls <laughs> in the tennis game. And I really want it to be a better marriage. I really want it to be something new. I can forgive all the stuff in the past if we can start a new relationship and something different. If he can start taking responsibility for picking up the ball and lobbing it back to me. You know, I think I jumped the gun earlier, too, when I said this was the point of separation for me. I don't think it was, actually, because I'm thinking this right here, this is the point of separation, right? You decide you're done. You don't want to be done. You put a lot of years into this relationship, and you really felt like it could be good. It could be great. And it takes takes two people making good choices and two people playing the game. Yeah, it takes playing the tennis game. Exactly. And you can't continue to pick up his balls for the rest of your life. It's not it's not going to bring you any more satisfaction than it already has. (laughs) No, and it's just enabling your anyway. Right. That's when essentially she kind of goes into this where she talks about you tell him you're leaving, but if you want to pick up the balls and try again, I'm open to coming back. That's kind of that separation. Listen. Enough is enough. I'm leaving. I'm I'm getting out of this tennis court right now, and I need to go do my healing. 
If you want to work on picking up the tennis balls and trying again, I'm open to trying again. It's going to take some time. And he looks angrily at you because you talked about his balls that way. And he suddenly chokes out, what? Look around me. I'm doing my best. But you can't possibly expect me to clean this whole thing up by myself. You made this mess too. Why should I be the one to have to clean it up? Right, right. <laughs> and that is a very common response, especially oh, for sure. Especially when you make that first big boundary. That first boundary that really draws a line. It says enough is enough. Even if it's the last boundary, it could cause yeah. Oh yeah. This reaction as well. Because they, they're in the victim role. Oh yeah. And you walk away and your friends are saying, you're crazy to leave such an amazing man. What are you freaking out about anyway? What a quitter. You must not know God. I don't have any friends that said any of this stuff to me. So this part I don't relate to, but there may be some people out there who, who have this experience of people in their lives saying, how could you not work it out with this guy? Right. He's, especially if the the person in your life is abusive too. Like he's put up with you for a long time. You're like, uh, you know nothing. But it's, it's one of those things where you kind of have to start to draw some boundaries with the people who you are surrounding yourself with too, especially when they comment on things like this that is not really any of their business to comment on. Right. But if you've confided in somebody, even parents about the situation, and they're seeing such wonderful behaviors in public, it can be easy to have that perception of him that that he is doing the work and he is an amazing person because what they do see in public is that. It's just in the relationship aspect, he's not lobbing the balls back in the game and not taking full responsibility for his actions. So if there are people who are persuading you to stay in the relationship, you could be easily pulled back in. Yeah, I agree. I, I hope, I hope that if there are people in your life <laughs> like that, that you can recognize that they don't have all of the information that you have. Right. And I think that's, what's really important to remember in this is that, There's going to be opinions. People are going to have opinions about anything they want to. And it doesn't mean that their opinion is factual. I mean, you're the only one who has all of the facts. And they see what they see with very limited viewing options. And what they see on the outside may be confusing to them. But what what's happening within the relationship is very limited to a lot of people, really. Like you and him are really the only two people who know exactly what's happening in the relationship. And that, that view may be skewed on his end. It may also be skewed on our end just because of the amount of pain that we're experiencing. We can enhance that sometimes. I'm not saying that we do all the time, but but truly the only two people who understand what is going on in the relationship are you and your husband. And so if there's somebody in your life who is telling you you're crazy, telling you that you're making a terrible choice, I would probably 
take some space from that person and find some people who instead can be supportive, not not necessarily meaning taking sides, but who can be supportive of you and your choices without being hateful or mean about it. Yeah. So this is where she ends the analogy. Suddenly you see some movement. What? Is he going to pick up a ball? Seriously? Why, yes, he does pick up a ball. It's a miracle. You stare with mouth wide gaping open as he walks towards you with the ball. He's actually going to take responsibility for something? Maybe there is hope after all. They must have convinced him that to play this game, you need to be willing to pick up some balls. So she's referring to maybe friends or family that have surrounded him, surrounded him, right, and helped him come to some epiphany that he's going to be in this game. Yeah, but instead of of hitting the ball back over, he walks over and he looks at you and he says, you see this ball here? It's a real problem and I see that now. I'd like to get rid of it, but I'm pretty sure it's yours. (laughs) And she says, and that dear Christian woman is how you know it's game over. For real and truly real. I like how she helps Christian women identify when your marriage crosses over into an abusive relationship from a a normal standpoint, because I've never been in a normal, healthy relationship. So all this behavior has been unknown to me. I didn't know that I was an emotionally abusive relationship. I only knew that after disclosure came and I couldn't figure out why our relationship was not progressing after disclosure. And then I started to recognize all the patterns of emotional abuse and what was happening. This parent-child relationship, him not taking responsibility, me being, in his words, unreasonable about my requests, about what I needed in the relationship. And there's really a couple of ways that that these guys can go, right? They can take responsibility and they can start taking steps to continue to take responsibility or they can keep looking at you and stand on the other side of the court waiting for you to pick up all the balls because it's your fault. It's your fault that I acted out. It's your fault that... You're so unreasonable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's really this place where you get to decide if this is what if this is what you want. If this is how you want it to continue to go. If they're not going to take responsibility, if they're not going to participate in recovery efforts. And in this scenario that, that we sit in, we We have this aspect of pornography, and so there may be other types of abuse layered in our relationships, but we have, we come to this place where there is a lot of work that has to be done on his part, and then we have a lot of work to do healing on our part, and we talked about this a little bit before, we need to work on our healing they need to work on their healing and then we need to work on healing the relationship. And those are three separate steps. Those are three 
separate processes that that need to take place. And therapist is usually best at determining when it's appropriate to move forward from individual work to couple work. And that's one of the indicators that things are beginning to progress once once he's worked his recovery, you've worked your recovery, and then you can start working on the marriage. And that's still hard and long work. Right. But it requires them to be in the game. You right. know, to lob those tennis balls back. Right. Like I said earlier, this this episode was for me <laughs> to hear, for me to verbally process through. And hopefully if you've found this to be beneficial for your own situation. And we'll actually, we'll link this blog post in the show notes so that you can go to the blog post because within her blog post, she has links to other articles as she talks about certain things. So you can click on links and kind of follow around to these different articles where she talks about boundaries and she talks about crazy making and she talks about taking responsibility and all these different things that we've kind of touched on today. So we'll include that in the show notes. And if you found it helpful, great. (laughs) Otherwise, we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us this week on Healing with Worth. Make sure to visit our website, healingwithworth.org, if you would like to enroll in an online therapist-led support group. We'll see you next time.